Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Romans teaching broadcast on this wonderful Monday morning here at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here in my office in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church. Right, this is our Roman study, chapter 5, part 13 is where we are if you want to turn in your Bibles and prepare uh, to follow along with us. Such a great weekend we had with Pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass here. Uh, and I tell you what, we were all encouraged greatly. If you want to hear those messages, uh, go to my uh, this same Pastor Curtis Facebook page. And later on here uh, today, those messages will be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And uh, we're just excited about being able to study the Word of God. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. <coughs> and before we dig in this morning... Uh, just let me remind us that Paul said for him to live, experience life, for him to live is Christ. Jesus said he's the life. There's no other way to experience life, to experience uh, the very, to lay hold on eternal life that we as children of God have outside of laying hold on Christ. And how we do that is faith in the scriptures. Faith is how we lay hold on Christ. But it must be faith in the scriptures. See, Jesus said that in Matthew 4 and 4 that man doesn't live by bread alone physically, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Think about that. Paul says under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for me to live, to experience this life, to lay hold on this eternal life, is Christ. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, physically, but by every word, spiritually, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, talking about the scriptures, which by the way, Jesus said in John 5 and 39, told the folks there with him, Search the scriptures, for in them you say you have life. You think you have life, but they are they which testify of me, he said. So we live by faith, we walk by faith, we see by faith, but that faith is faith in God's word as it relates to Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary alone. For it is the blood of Jesus that opened our eyes. Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom or even see it until you're born Again, that means through faith in the blood is the only avenue to be saved, delivered, to be in a place where now you have eyes. See, you, the old man has no eyes to see the things of God. But being born again gives you the eyes. And as long as you keep your faith in that sacrificial work alone, you will continue to see and live and lay hold of on Christ experiencing life, not by all the things you say you're experiencing life through, but by faith in the Word of God. There's where our life is found. And I wanted to share that before we continue in this Romans teaching today because to experience life is to experience Christ. And to experience Christ is to express Christ. Without that latter part, without the expression of Christ, there's really not the experience of Christ that we think we have going on. And, and, and we need to understand that. So it's not, by, it's not by experiencing things. It's by experiencing by faith the Word of God as it's in the context of the one who is the living Word of God. Think about that. The Word of God cannot be the light. 
under my path unless it's in the light of the man who said, I am the light of the world. The word of God cannot be the bread, my daily bread, unless I'm reading about the man, this word, in the context of the man who is the bread that came from heaven. The Bible is about Jesus. You might as well go ahead and say it out loud this morning. My Bible is my Jesus book. It is my Jesus book. He is my Genesis. He is my revelation. He is everything in between. He is the bread of life. He is the light of life. He is everything I'm looking for, and he's written about on every single page. Amen. So uh, let's don't forget about the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded there. The website, thecrosswaychurch.com, where many people and even many more people are beginning to bless by sowing into this ministry financially to help us buy the equipment to be able to do what we do, to help us plant the new church in Wichita Falls, Texas, to help us get six expositor study Bibles at this point a week into the hands of inmates across the the country. And I would encourage you to pray about that. Help us do that. And uh, we're just blessed to be here today after a wonderful weekend of being encouraged, edified, and strengthened by the Holy Spirit through the preaching, hear me tonight, through the, today rather, through the preaching of the gospel. The gospel. We have been very much blessed this weekend. So, Here we are in Romans chapter 5. Again, this is part 13, if you want to know precisely where we are in this teaching. And we'll just try to make it through these last three verses today of Romans chapter 5. Verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, and that means all. We talked about this last week. So by the obedience of one, many, it says, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now the word many here is not the same as many before. All were made sinners because we all came through Adam and Eve. But not all will be made righteous because Jesus said the road is narrow that leads to life and there will be few that find it. There will be few that will accept the way of the cross as the way of life. Jesus, they don't have too much of a problem with most people, but Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross, uh, that's a little too narrow. You know, and we got people who (coughs) are in high places in the world today, uh, and I won't even call any names this morning, who who say that you've got to be stupid to believe there's only one way to God. And so, but I've got a Bible that tells me about a man called the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who came to give his life for the sins of the world, who said, I am the only way to the Father. So, you know, really in the eyes of God, you've got to be pretty stupid not to believe what the one who worked all the miracles and then gave himself for our sins has said and done. In the eyes of God, you've got to be really dumb not to accept this because he's done it all for you. And the devil will turn it around and make us look like we're really stupid by accepting just one way to God. But his name is Jesus and what he did at Calvary, praise God. So 
You know, you know, you gotta, you've got to learn to study the Word of God. You've got to learn to dig into the Word of God. And, you know, the Proverbs are full of promises to those who will search for truth and righteousness as they were searching for silver and gold. And, and God would uh, reveal Himself to those who seek Him with their whole heart. He said... He will be found by those. Praise God. So here we see in verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now let's talk about that for a few minutes because as we mentioned on the last broadcast, man didn't even need a law to be a sinner. Now he broke the law in the Garden of Eden and we all became sinners. When Adam and Eve became sinners, they could only produce sinners through them. They had their blood was tainted at that point. They they began to die. And I know Adam would live some 930 years or thereabout and 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 but he would die because he was spiritually dead. He 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 was a sinner and the wages of sin is death. And so all that have been on the earth have been born of Adam and Eve. They were sinners, so we're all sinners, and we've studied that in this fifth chapter. And and we don't ever need to forget that. But all the way from Adam to Moses, before the Ten Commandments, before the law was given, and sent abounded before that. Think about that. And we've studied this in this chapter. Before God gave Moses the law, some thousand plus years, thousand plus years, there was no law. Man don't need a law to, 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 to live in sin and, and, and to die in sin and go to hell. We don't need no law. We are sinners. That was a time period there, I believe, God allowed to be there just to prove to us we don't need a law. We don't need a law to be a sinner. We don't need a law uh, to, 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 to be guilty. We're guilty because of what we are. We're sinners, and you've heard it many times. I'll say it again today. You don't become a sinner when you start committing sins. You immediately begin to commit sins when you're born because you are a sinner. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, we are the darkness. When we're lost, we were darkness because sin is darkness. Sin is the darkness of this world. And we were sinners, you know, and there is no sin without people outside of the devil and all his demons. We're talking about people. There is no such thing as sin without people because we are the ones that are sinners. We are the ones that are the darkness of this world until we're born again and receive the light of Christ and begin to walk in the light. So think about that. And listen, God's even going to in the days ahead when He sends His Son back to this earth, Jesus Christ reigns with a rod of righteousness for a thousand years. God's going to make a statement, a huge statement for a thousand years. Let's look back again. From Adam to Moses, there was no law. Man didn't need a law to, 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 to live in sin, to be, to be found guilty of something. We were already guilty because of what we were, sinners. You say, that's not fair. What do you mean that's not fair? 
It's not fair to God that his creation would turn against him and start making things up as lies when him having showed them the way and even came after Cain and beseeched and begged Cain, please don't go that way. Even after Cain refused to bring the offering God commanded them to bring to be in relationship and fellowship and restoration with him, Cain said, I'm not doing it. I'm not bringing blood. And, 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 and God would go after him with, with a, a loving kindness and a great reach. And Cain said, I'm, listen, I'm still not going that way. And so he went out and he began to uh, make all these other sacrifices and, and live with faith in all these other things. But for a thousand plus, maybe 1,400 thereabouts uh, years, uh, you research that, you'd find the answer, uh, and there was no law. Man didn't need a law. We just were sinners. We died in sin all that all those years. And God is about to make another huge statement. When Jesus reigns from Jerusalem on this earth as we know it now for 1,000 years. Listen, America is not even 300 years old yet. He is going to reign for 1,000 years with a rod of righteousness... There's not going to be a devil. He's going to be bound in the bottomless pit. There's not going to be a devil. And that's going to be another huge statement by God that you don't have to have the Ten Commandments. You don't have to have a devil. Man is just wicked all by himself. Man, men don't even need other men to be wicked. You could be on this planet by yourself, locked in a room all by yourself, and you are wicked in and of yourself. The deepest part of you, you and I are evil and wicked and lost and undone. Unless Jesus is our Savior, we're still lost, wicked, and undone. He is the only one who comes in as Savior and He does not rehabilitate us. He crucified us in representing, in representing us at the cross. We were crucified, not built, rebuilt. We were crucified, died with Christ and were born again as a new creation. Hallelujah. God doesn't take the old and make new. He gets rid of the old and makes new. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just like the old covenant has been done away with, he, he, he removed the first that he might establish the second. Praise God. That's good news. But God is about to make another big, huge, bold statement to man for a thousand years. You don't need that law of old. You don't need a, a, a devil. You are wicked all by yourself. And you say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Because the Bible says at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, that old devil will be released from the bottomless pit for a short season, the Bible says, and he will once again draw as many people as there are sand grains on the seashore against Christ. That means most of the world again after living for a thousand years where there's no wars, no instruments of war, not all this mess going on that you see today, but the ultimate peace on earth. There will still be problems. There will still be wicked men because 
of what I just told you. I mean, when the devil's released and he draws almost again the whole world against the Lord and his people, and by the way, they will be utterly consumed and cast into a lake of fire. You need to know that. They lose, we win. (laughs) They lose, we win. But God is making another bold, huge, massive statement. You don't need law. You don't need the devil. You're wicked. And I came to save you. I came even to give my son, my only begotten son, that you might be delivered from your sins and your sinful hearts. And your, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is, is, is deceitfully uh, wicked, desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. It's, I mean, you can't follow your heart. Your heart will take you to hell. Your heart as a child of God, if you follow your heart instead of the leading of the Spirit according to the Word of God as the Word points to Christ and what He did at Calvary, you'll be living according to a a heart that's evil and wants to go His own way at all times. So you don't need to forget that. But here in verse 20 of chapter 5, it gives us uh, one of the reasons why God gave the law Because there was no law. Remember this, there was no law. People didn't really know this God that they were following. They were following uh, 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 Moses. They were following Moses. Actually, they'd followed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and they followed God, and, and the people followed those men that followed God, and now God was raising up Moses and sending him uh, into Egypt, and, and people were following uh, the God that Moses trusted in and, and uh, crying out to God. But when God gave Moses the law, before that, they didn't have a law. They didn't really know God. They knew there was a God because of the word that had been passed down of what he had done uh, brought them you know, uh, through this and through that and did many you know, things along the way. But here he is giving them the law, which is a revealing of himself, but also revealing a greater level of how sinful we are. Watch this. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. People were just sinners living in sin, dying in sin, going to hell all those years. But there was no law. But when the law came in, it was like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. I'm a coveter. I'm a blasphemer. I'm, and the law entered that the sin we lived by, the sinners we are, abounded to us. Not only in that manner, but it caused us... But when the law comes in, one of two things happen. You saw how wicked you were and you cried out to this Savior that had been promised all the way from the beginning... Or you saw how wicked you were and you just got mad about it. And you, as Cain, went deeper into it. Think about that. God gave the law that the sin might abound. And Galatians chapter 3 says the law was our schoolmaster, our tutor, if you will, that pointed us to the one that would come and justify us by faith. Think about that. Because the law can't do it all. The Pharisees' problem in Jesus' day was that, man, they held the law in such high regard and gave it a place that it did not and could not hold 
it could not save. It could not save. I want to show you something this morning. Let's leave our place here and let's turn over uh, to the book of Acts chapter 15. I want to show you something. It goes along with where we are right now. If I can get there, Acts chapter 15, let's look at this. Let's talk about these people that wouldn't let go of the law. Wouldn't let go of the law that couldn't save them. And they weren't going to be without the consequences of sin just because they had the law. The law makes sin abound. And I'll show you another scripture in a minute. I'll just quote it to you in case I forget to go there. 1 Corinthians, write it down. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, The law is the strength of sin. Why is this important? When we're not, we, don't have the, we, don't, we don't live by the Ten Commandments because anything such as the, the, the things that you may make up, the things your preacher may make up about if you'll do this one thing, if you'll do these two things. Let me, let me give you the greatest example, I think, is when these denominations and these preachers, uh, these certain individuals say, you're not saved unless you're water baptized. If you make water baptism a part of your salvation, then it's a law. It's a law. And in the eyes of God, that law only strengthens your sin nature. That law only makes your sin abound in the eyes of God. All, any law other than the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which made you free from the law of sin and death, hallelujah, Romans 8, 2, is, is in God's eyes making the sin nature be stirred up and abound in your life. Now watch this, Acts chapter 15. Let's read this verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you now these people came down from Judea that taught Christians that unless you're circumcised after the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Anybody that's teaching, you cannot be saved unless you do something. Do something. They don't have grace. They're not walking in grace and they're not teaching grace. Grace is what God did in Christ at Calvary. Remember, we're saved by grace through faith. And that means through faith in what Christ did at Calvary. Outside of faith in what Christ did at Calvary, your faith won't be recognized by God because that's where the faith was offered you. That measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. So, any law, of course, we don't. Most people think about the Ten Commandments when we say law, but people have, when they write these books about purpose driven, word of faith, or now this law of you speak yourself into where you're going. You speak yourself into your future. You're the prophet of your own life. Your, your words guide and they direct you. That's not true. Words are powerful. Words have a, a significant meaning. We can tear people down with words. We can encourage and edify people with words. But the power of death and life in the tongue is based on what you do with the gospel. You point people to the cross of Christ. You're speaking words of grace seasoned with salt. You point people to something they do. You're speaking words of death. You, you better understand that. The power of life and death is in the tongue is not in that you just speak yourself and you speak your future into existence. That's not true and you can't show me that in the Bible. In the book of Romans where uh, the Bible says uh, he, Abraham called those things as, as the, 
that were not as though they were. You can't take that scripture and just start making a doctrine out of that. That was talking about the seed being promised him, of uh, that Sarah would give him a child. The promise would come through him. That is tied to the gospel, my friend. Everything's tied to the gospel. If it's not, it's being used out of its righteous context in a place of witchcraft. Flesh, corruption. You need to know that. We can prove it in the Word. People, most folks in the pulpits today are using God's Word out of context just to keep the people uh, in, pumped up in the flesh and to control them. And we need to be preaching the message of life, which is Christ and Him crucified. That way the Holy Spirit can control the people, lead the people, and we don't have to as preachers. We're not called to control people. We're not called to do that. Most preachers wouldn't dare believe what I'm telling them right now because that they will not lose their control. And, they, and that's one reason they won't preach the cross. That's one reason they will not preach this message even though they can't refute it doctrinally in the Word of God is because they give up their control. That's what the message of the cross did. It, it, it causes us to give up control. Not my will, but thy will. I, I commend my spirit into your hands, O oh God. We trust God through faith in the cross of his son Jesus Christ that it was sufficient. It's what gives us the grace that is sufficient. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And the offense abounded. And when people today are living by some law, the promise keepers, the accountability thing, where I got to call this, my, my, my accountable partner because if I don't, I'm going to fall into this sin. That's your faith in calling your accountable partner and not simple faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Do You see how easily we can build a golden calf. How easily we can set up something to trust in I hope you're seeing that. I have seen it, and I have forsaken those things I once dearly held to. And let me say this on today's broadcast. The truth, which is Christ and Him crucified, the whole Word of God in that context will not only separate you from your sins, the guilt and the shame, but also from the the, the, the place where sin is dominating your life, but also it will separate you. And here comes the, that's the good part, the part we really like and enjoy, being separated from those things that have had us bound in chains of darkness and now we're free. But here comes the hurtful part. And it is hurtful, my friend. This truth also separates us from people that refuse to go this narrow way. And we don't shun them. We don't exclude them. They shun us. They exclude us. I've gone to meetings to hear ministers speak and, 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 and the house be filled with people to come and they only come because that's a denominational meeting. They won't come hear that same preacher in their own hometown in a church because that church is not a part of their denominational tie-in. They're so bound. 
They're so bound under name and title. They're so bound they would not believe it for a second. Neither did the Pharisees. They, they would not be converted. Neither will many of these people in these last few moments of this vapor we have to proclaim this gospel. Many and most of these people will never let go of their name and title. But the cross, when they grab a hold of this truth of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit will cause their grip to loosen on the things they've held so dearly, trusted in so dearly. Oh, that God is doing a great work. He is bringing a people out of law. Even a people of God today who are not under the law of Moses but under so much law. The law of doing this. The law of doing that. The law of being in that group. The law of being in that group. Oh, all this is law, my friend. I can't go to a meeting over there because they haven't got the right name on the sign. I can't just go out and find me a preacher preaching the cross for our church that, 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 that we need so desperately. I have to only go up. I'm limited to what I can bring into our church as a pastor on this name and title and the documents they have hanging on their wall. Oh, God help us, for there is an issue with God in all of that. Most will never receive it. Most will never come out. Most Pharisees didn't make it. Most Judaizers didn't make it. But hear me today, there was a few that did. Jesus said there will be a few that comes out. A few that will find this narrow path. Oh, there will be a few that find this narrow path. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. It's happening before our very eyes. While we're grieved so heavily concerning some of these things, we're also at the same time rejoicing over that few that's finding this life through faith in the cross. And I'm not speaking of when they were born again. I'm talking about faith to live right now, the experience, the laying hold of this life that we have through faith in the cross. Most would say their faith is in the cross, but what they mean is their faith was in the cross that saved them. Their faith now, and it's proven, it's manifest to people all around them. They just don't see it, that it's in this book and that fake move and this and that and all these things that we do, all these names and all these titles. But oh, when those come back to Calvary, there is a tangible unity among those. There is a tangible unity among the disciples of Christ. Not just Christians, but the disciples of Christ. Jesus said, unless you take your cross up and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And disciple means learner. And the only way we can learn of Christ is through faith in His cross. For there's where the grace and the knowledge of Christ comes into our life, not through any other thing. Not through any other thing. Only through faith in the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. When the law entered, the offense abounded. But where sin abounded, praise God, grace much more. Grace didn't come along and just barely defeats it. Grace much more abounded. And grace is what God did in Christ at Calvary. And through your belief upon Christ and what He did at Calvary, God has saved you by what He did 
in Christ at Calvary, it's called grace. Grace, and I'm going to say it the rest of my life, grace is God doing something you can't do, you don't deserve to have it done, and that you cannot do. Grace has to be a move of God. Grace is God working, God saving, God teaching, God delivering, God filling. Grace is God doing something. Grace is God, here it comes, grace is God at work. And God only works in truth, Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. And truth is a man named Jesus. And what makes him our truth in any avenue is what he did at Calvary. For there and there alone comes the grace of God. That means God comes on the scene to save, deliver, teach, heal, restore. And whatever gets done will be by the Spirit of grace, hallelujah, which is the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, that third person of, of the Godhead. Praise God. What a wonderful thing we have in the truth. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. Oh, we're going to have to have one more broadcast because this last verse, we're out of time, and this last verse... We've got to cover it. So I'll see you Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. Or if you're catching this at a later time or you missed it, make sure you go and watch our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. I sure love you and I love giving you the truth. God bless you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified.